Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for this new year that is upon us. We pray, Lord, that in a moment like this, you would shift our focus off of ourselves and onto you. Uh, we give, Lord, our lives to you. We give, Father, the future of our church to you. We give this uh, year to you. So, Father, as we transition to your word and worship, what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, and who we are not in Christ, we ask that you would make us. We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, over uh, the holidays, we had some family come into town. Uh, some of our family members uh, hadn't been to Oregon before, so we wanted to take them around. And one of the places we took them on one particular day was out to the coast. Uh, on this particular day, uh, the last stop on our visit to the coast was a location I'm sure many of you are familiar with, the Hasita Lighthouse. And so as we pulled into the parking lot, uh, the sun was already starting to set, and so I announced to everyone in the vehicle, you know, it's not too bad of a hike, it's just less than a mile, uh, it's not too bad, I mean, as you head up, but we need to go quickly, but I told everybody, it's definitely going to be worth the hike, and so uh, some stayed back, most of us headed on up, and as we headed on up, can I tell you, it was a sight to behold. I mean, every time you head up there, this was the first time uh, we got there as the sun was setting, and, and as we got to the top, I mean, the lighthouse was beautiful, but then you look out at the coast and the ocean. I mean, in moments like that, and you, as you behold the creation of the Lord, you can't help but declare, God is truly great and greatly to be praised. Well, as we took some photos and we spent our time there, now to the family, let's go ahead and head down. It's starting to get dark. Let's get home as soon as we can. And so we started down, and um, uh, my brother-in-law and I, we were the fastest. So we had some motivation. We had our daughters on our necks, and they were yelling, faster, horsey, faster. <laughs> and so we headed on down. We got there first, and then by the time we got down, it was, it was pretty dark at that point. We were waiting for everybody else to come down. As the folks came down and were getting into the vehicle, uh, there were two we were waiting on, my sister and my mother. And as we looked in the distance, we saw my sister, but we did not see my mother with her. As she came down further, we said, where's mom? And my sister said, the last time I saw her, that was not good to our ears, the last time I saw her, I took a photo with her, and then I started walking down. I looked back, and she was nowhere to be found. I said, what did you do after that? She said, well, uh, I then saw that it was getting dark, so I figured I'd come down to you. I wasn't going to get lost. And then I came down to find you guys. We actually saw that photo later, and we said, that would be a good missing persons photograph. <laughs> and so she said, why don't you guys go find her? And so... Um, we started up, my brother-in-law and I started up, I ran up, he walked up, and I got about halfway, you know, halfway between the, the, the lighthouse and the parking lot is the keeper's house, and it was all lit up because it's Christmas time, and, and you don't really get service out there, and so I, I pulled out my phone, and I said a quick prayer, Lord, you're going to have to help me on this one. If something happens to my mother in Oregon, it's going to be on me, and so I looked at my phone, I had one line, I dialed her number and thanked the Lord, she answered. She had wandered off somewhere in front of the keeper's house and had gotten off of the path. Anyways, I brought her down and everyone was happy to know mom was safe <laughs> and sound. Uh, this morning, as, as we enter into the new year, I want to invite you to ponder this question with me. Uh, in times of need, where do you go for help? 
As you enter into this new year and you consider some of the challenges, the difficulties, or the, even the hardships known and unknown ahead into the new year, where will you go for help? I want to invite you to Psalm 121 this morning. I've entitled this psalm or this, this message, Reminders in the New Year, especially in times of need. Reminders we can consider in the new year, especially in times of need. As you turn there in your Bibles, uh, Psalm 121 can be described as a traveler's psalm. It's a psalm that describes an individual who's who's on a journey, and the psalmist uh, takes a look at the hills in front of him, the journey before him, and he has some concerns. There's some dangers that lurk ahead, and yet he looks past his concerns to his confidence in the care of his creator. And so the invitation as we get to read through this psalm and walk through this psalm this morning is to be reminded that we are all on a journey called life. This is not our home. We are on a journey and we're traveling through. Our final destination is heaven. And as we travel on this journey, my prayer is as you enter this new year, you may have walked into church this morning with some concerns, but my prayer is regardless of the concerns you walked in, you would walk out and into the new year with confidence in the care of your creator. And so as we read this psalm, I'd invite you to stand in honor of the reading of it. Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper The Lord is the shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The word of the Lord, you all may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord on this New Year's Day. As we walk through Psalm 121, I want to invite us to consider helpful reminders we need in the new year. The first helpful reminder I pray that you will consider as you enter into the new year in light of verses 1 to 2 is that the Lord is our help and our helper. Whether you walked in this morning recognizing your need for him or not, my prayer is that you would walk out today being reminded that the Lord is both your help and your helper as he is mine. Before we get into verses 1 to 2 and are given this reminder, we see the title of this psalm is a a song of ascents. It reminds us that this psalm is actually in a series of psalms uh, that... Uh, that was used by Jewish pilgrims who on their journey to Jerusalem to celebrate the annual feasts would sing these psalms and among them Psalm 121 and as they would head to Jerusalem and they would ascend to the, the to the temple to worship the Lord they would recall that the Lord is their help and their helper in verse 1 the psalmist expresses his concern and in verse 2 he expresses his confidence the manner in which he expresses his concern is he says I will lift up my eyes to the hills 
And as he lifts up his eyes to the hills, he has a cause for concern. And so he asks, in light of the journey before him, from whence comes my help? Where does my help come from? The psalmist is pictured in verse 1 as he lifts his eyes to the hills as, as one who has a panoramic view of the journey ahead of him. I don't know about you, but before I go on a journey, whether I'm going to travel somewhere, especially if it's over a, a long day's journey or a couple days if you're driving across the country, I want to have a panoramic view of the journey ahead of me. I'll take a look at Google Maps. I'll consider the route. I'll consider some of the, the difficulties I might run into, the places where there not, may not be places where I can gas up. I'll consider who are the travelers I'm traveling with. There's some people who need to stop a little more than others. As I head off into the journey, I'm going to consider some of the things I'm going to run into along the way. The same is true if you're going to go on a hike. Now, we're not just talking about a, 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 a couple hours or a days, but a, perhaps a few days as they would make this journey. If you're going to go on a hike, there are some concerns that you should consider before you go on out. And as the psalmist, he, it tells us here, he lifts his eyes to the hills, and the hills are representative of the journey before him, and there are some concerns that he has. What are those concerns? He has concerns over physical dangers he might run into. Uh, if you're traveling uh, a journey, especially uh, in that day, they didn't have you know, paved roads back then. They may have been well-trodden. But there were some places that were uneven. There were some slippery paths. There were some areas, hills that were quite steep. And so your foot could easily slip. You could find yourself with a sprained ankle or something worse if you got hurt along the way. There are physical dangers. As you go about your business, I mean, after a journey's long day and, or days or perhaps even weeks of making a journey, you become tired. Your feet become sore, your muscles begin to ache, and there are some physical dangers. As the psalmist takes a look at the hills before him, he considers them. Not only concerns over physical dangers, but dangers in regards to weather. You know, during the day, you need to, you need to shadow yourself or cover yourself from the scorching sun that can burn your skin. At night, you need to protect yourself from the cold. And so you need a covering by day and you need a covering by night. And the psalmist lifts his eyes to the hills and he knows there are some concerns for his, uh, concerning physical dangers, dangers including weather and dangers including robbers and thieves or wild beasts who might come along the way. The psalmist expresses it this way, I lift my eyes to the hills and He's brought to this question, where does my help come from in light of these dangers and in light of these concerns? I want to invite you to take a panoramic view of 2023. I want to invite you to look ahead into this year. And I want to invite you to consider some of the concerns you have that will drive you to the question, where does my help come from this coming year? I want to invite you to consider your life and your relationship with the Lord and your ministry to him. What's some, what are some concerns that you may have this morning? I don't know about you, but I have a tendency as I enter into the new year to take an inventory of the previous year or the previous years. I want you to consider your life and your relationship with the Lord. And for some of us, we might say, you know, my relationship with the Lord is not where it should be this morning. 
As I take an inventory of the last year, the last few years, my prayer life has grown cold or perhaps even become non-existent. As I take a look at the time that I spend with the Lord in his word, as I consider the ministry that he's called me to in my service to those in the church and outside of the church, you know, Lord, I know there are some things that concern me about how I'm going to serve you in the coming year. And so what concerns do you have? Perhaps in these past, the past year, the past few years, you picked up some bad habits you need to break. And there are some concerns that you have as you enter into the new year where you wonder, where does my help come from? I want you to consider not just a panoramic view of your life and as you consider your ministry, as you consider your relationship with the Lord, but your marriage if you're married this morning. Uh, consider some of the concerns that you might have as you enter into this new year. As a husband, I pray that you have concerns about wanting to be a husband who, who, who loves your wife as Christ loves the church, as it's shared in, in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. And as you consider those concerns and you say, you know, it's hard to love sacrificially like the Lord Jesus loves his church, but Lord, where does my help come from in order to love my wife as Christ loved the church? If you're a wife, I, I pray that you can love your husband uh, as we're instructed in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, as you align yourself under the authority of God and his word, and in doing so, align yourself under the leadership of the, of the care of your husband. As you pray for him, that he would be the spiritual leader of the home, that you pray that you would show him respect and that you would love him and encourage him all along the way. What are some concerns that you have for your marriage where you're driven to a place of asking, from whence comes my help? Maybe this morning as you consider your marriage, it's on the rocks. Maybe the D word hasn't been thrown around, but it's on your mind. Maybe you're in a relationship right now and, the, and, the, and those, 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 those documents are about to be signed and you are asking the question whether you're the one who signed it or you're on the other side of it, where does my help come from? Take an inventory and take a panorama shot, not just of your marriage, but your family. I don't know about you, but as I think about my children, I've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a four-month-old. My prayer is for those children, and I have some concerns about them. I have concerns about their spiritual development. I pray that as I share the word of God with them, as we put them in a, a church community where they hear God's word taught, that they would catch the truth of who Jesus is and receive him as their Savior and Lord. And so I have some concerns for this year. And these concerns are, are, are those that I can't I can, I can answer myself because I have to rely on someone else to meet that need. And so as you care for your children and your grandchildren, where does your help come from? Uh, not just your, uh, your family and your marriage, but your church. Any of you have some concerns this coming year for our church? We're reminded that as a church, Christ is the head of our church. As elders and pastors, we have opportunities to be the under-shepherds. He's the over-shepherd. And our prayer and our concern this coming year is we would be faithful to the mission that we've been called to to make disciples. To make disciples locally and globally. And, and there are concerns, but we're reminded in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And so the success of ministry and the success of the church to reach the lost does not depend on us, but depends on a higher power. Where does my help come 
from. But not only that, I want you to consider some of the concerns you have for our nation. I don't know about you, but when I take a look at our culture, when I take a look at our governing officials, when I take a look at the means in which they govern, I have some concerns as I enter into this new year. I have concerns of the culture and the nation that my children and my grandchildren are going to grow up in. As I take a look at the value system of the world and I compare it to the value system of the word, I see that there is a great departure and this departure is just continuing to move in the wrong direction and it causes me to call out, to cry out, where does my help come from? I want to just stay here for a moment because I want to consider the concern of verse 1 so that we can find ourselves in the confidence of verse 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The psalmist asked, from whence comes my help? I want you to consider this as you enter into this new year. How you answer that question reveals a lot about you and the idols that you worship and serve. How you answer that question, I'm not just talking about in your mind, but how you answer it in your response to the concerns and the challenges before us will tell you a lot about who your God is. An idol is anything or anyone that should take the place of God in our lives. A good thing becomes a bad thing when it becomes a foundational thing. A good thing becomes a bad thing when it becomes a God thing in our lives. Relationships are good things. You know, I'm thankful for my wife. She's a blessing to me. She's a helper for me. God is referred to as a helper. That's not a derogatory term. A helper is someone who fulfills that which is lacking in you. And my wife is a great helper to me, as God is a great helper. But there are some things that even my wife can't help me in that only God can help me in. And it would do me and her a disservice if I expected her to meet the need that only God can meet in me. You know, I've got family and friends who are a great blessing to me and a great help to me. But there are some things that even family and friends can't help. You know, my church family and the small groups that you may be in and those that you're sitting next to in the chairs around you and fellow believers may be of a great help, but where does your help come from? What is the source of your help? The Lord should be our first contact. You know, last night I was sharing this psalm with our girls. Sunday night sermon is Saturday night devotional. And as I was talking with the girls, I said, you know, when you're... When you're when you find yourself scared at night and you're crying out, who do you cry out to? And they said, Daddy or Mommy. I say, you know, when, when you fall or you hurt yourself, who do you cry out to? And they say, Mommy or, or Daddy. And I told them, it's okay that you cry out to Mommy or Daddy, but I want you to know who's your first line of contact. It is the Lord. As you call out to us, make sure you call out to him. And God will often use us as a means to meet your need, but know that he is your first line of contact. Where does my help come from? How you answer that question reveals a lot about you and me and reveals, about the, uh, us, uh, reveals a lot about the idols that we worship, anything or anyone that should take the place of God in our lives. I lift up my eyes 
to the hills. He sees the concerns. He sees the journey ahead. He, he's driven to ask, from whence does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. When the psalmist says, my help, he's not just telling us that God is helpful. He's telling, that God, telling us that God is necessary in order for us to get through this journey and get safely to the destination he's called us to. When it tells us that God is our help, it is telling us that he fulfills what is lacking in us. He is able to do for us what we cannot do ourselves. The question is not when do I need his help, but how I depend on him every moment of every day for his help. I began with a question, as you enter this new year in times of need, where do you go for help? Can I remind you, you need him every moment of every hour of every day. My help, the one who fulfills what is lacking in me, the one who can do what I cannot do myself, comes from the Lord. Why can the psalmist with great confidence declare, my help comes from the Lord? It's because of his name and his nature. The psalmist says, my help comes from who? The Lord. The Lord there is the covenant-keeping name of God. It reminds us of who the Lord is. His name often uh, um, um, reminds us of his nature. It tells us that he is a personal God. He's the God of Israel who had revealed himself to Moses through a burning bush and then declared to Moses that as you lead the people out of Egypt, declare who I am, I am that I Am. He's the all-sufficient one. He is Yahweh, the one that we sang about this morning. He is the one who makes promises and keeps promises and fulfills his promises. He is the faithful one. And so the reason we can with confidence along with the psalmist declare, my help comes from the Lord is because of his name and how it reflects his nature. But also his nature in regards to him as creator. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. There are many things and many people you can turn to in times of need. There are many things and many people you can turn to this year as you consider some of the concerns that you look to in the new year. But my prayer is that you would find your help in the creator of heaven and earth. The one who created the universe and everything in it. You know, as creator, we're reminded of a few things about God's nature. We're reminded first of his providential care. God is our creator. He created heaven and earth and everything in it. He's not the kind of creator who creates it and then leaves it to its own desires. No, he is intimately involved in his creation. And we're reminded that as he is creator, he, in his providential care, cares for us. We're reminded not just of his providence, but we're reminded of his power as the creator. He's all powerful. All he did is you read Genesis 1. I mean, it's amazing. In the beginning, I mean, you just read that. It causes, causes you to get excited. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You want to talk about power. That's power. I don't know about you, but I talk about that Hasita a lighthouse, you're standing at it, you're looking at the ocean, you're taking a look at the mighty creation of God, and you are reminded God is truly great. He's all-powerful, and so I can trust him. 
I can trust him with my life and my relationship. The work that he has begun in me, he will fulfill and complete in me. You know, I've got some sinful bad habits that I've I've, I've been been, uh, finding myself falling into this past year. but, But Lord, I know my help comes from you. And you're going to help me moment by moment and, and day by day. Lord, I see some challenges in my marriage and the relationships within my family. But my help comes from the Lord. Lord, I look at the nation and I see the challenges before us and the culture that our children are going to grow up in and our children's children. But Lord, my help comes from you because you're the creator I'm reminded of your providential care. I'm reminded of your power. But thirdly, we're also reminded of his presence. God is intimately involved with his creation. And I want you to know he's intimately involved in your life and in mine. He cares for you and for me. In a moment, we're going to talk about the care of the creator and how intimately involved he is. He he. He watches our foot and he doesn't allow it to be moved. I mean, he's watching us and keeping us and and guarding us from anything that should harm us. You need to know that God loves you and he loves me. I look, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My prayer is that as you enter into this new year, that would be your testimony. You're going to run into some things and you're going to say, I don't know where I go for help. My help comes from the Lord. There are some things that, that, that I can predict, other things that are unpredictable, but my help comes from the Lord. I'm reminded of his providence, his power, and his presence. How should we live in light of that reminder? The Lord is our help and our helper. He's not just helpful. We need him every moment of every hour of every day. He fulfills what is lacking. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He makes a way where there is no way. You see a dead end, you know, and the Lord's calling you to do something. He's the one who will make a way for you. This year, my help comes from the Lord. First thing I'd invite us to do is to take time to admit our needs, our need for him. Uh, I talked about some of the concerns that you might have as you enter into the new year. What concerns you right now about your children and about your family? What concerns you about your health physically? What concerns you about your, your marriage or your church? You know, my prayer is, as I was thinking about it this next year is, Lord, I want my, my life to glorify you more this year than it did last year. Uh, Lord, I want my marriage to glorify you this year more than it did last year. Lord, I want my ministry and our church to glorify you greater in a greater way this year than it did last year. Lord, here are my concerns, and I know my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Admit your need for him. Secondly, abandon your idols and your sin. Lay aside the sin and, and that weight that so easily ensnares us and let us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us. I, I want you to identify those idols in your life, those things you turn to other than God in your life and abandon them. We're invited in scripture to repent. That's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. Commit this year that my first line of contact in times of need will be the Lord. 
I'm going to call on his name. My help comes first and foremost and always from him. What sins do you need to abandon this year? What bad habits have you picked up? What have you been going to? What have you been turning to in moments of weakness and stress and anxiety when you should be simply turning to him? Is it entertainment? Is it a relationship? What is taking the place of God in your life? Turn from it and turn to the one who can satisfy the deepest longing of your heart. Abandon idols and abandon sin. And then thirdly, place your confidence in the creator by declaring, my help comes from the Lord. If you want to place your confidence in the creator and look past the concern to the confidence you have in him, look past the creation of the hills to the creator of them because if he created them, he controls them. And nothing will harm you as you go about the journey called life. Can I invite you first and foremost if you haven't, enter into this new year by committing your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. If you haven't done that today, the invitation is to admit that you and I are born spiritually dead. What it means to be spiritually dead is that we are born into this world separated from God. And the source of that separation is a heart that is sinful. The reason I sin is because I'm born a sinner. And because I'm born a sinner, I sin, and that sin expresses itself in my attitudes, my affections, and my actions, and that separates me from God. Admit, first and foremost, you're spiritually dead, and then admit that Jesus didn't just come to make bad people good, but to take dead people and bring new life. The solution we needed was a new heart. And that's what God did for you and me. He provides us a new heart. Will you admit your need for Christ who died on the cross for your sins and receive forgiveness and everlasting life in his name so that you can declare, my help comes from the Lord. Let me tell you this morning, church, if he can meet our greatest need, how much more can he meet all of the other needs that you and, ha you and I have in our lives? Some of you need to recommit your life to Christ this morning. For some of us, as I said earlier, we, we think to ourselves, you know, some bad habits have been picked up. I've been wandering here and there. My prayer life isn't where it should be. My time with the Lord isn't where it should be. And so, Lord, you're challenging me to recommit my life to Christ. The call is to deny yourself, take up your cross, and to follow after him. You know, sometimes we, we make these small goals like, well, this year I'm, I'm going to pray for five minutes every day. How much more should we be praying, not just for the discipline, but, but for a greater relationship with the Lord? Lord, what does that look like to grow in my relationship with you this year? Maybe five minutes, but it may be five hours. Come on. There, there is a, a greater call on the people of God to, to go out, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. I, I think sometimes we, we say, you know, we're too hard on ourselves. I'd like to suggest we, we find ourselves as Christians not hard on ourselves enough. Listen, the call that God has called us to is impossible in our own power or strength. That's why he is our helper. That's why he's the one who fulfills what is lacking in us. If you're trying to go about the call of God on your life in your own strength, in your own power, you're not doing what God's called you to do. You shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. God has saved us by his amazing grace, not of ourselves. And you better believe he's going to sanctify us according to his amazing grace as well. Recommit your life to Christ and say, Lord, I'm all in. You know that part of my life that, that I've been holding back from you, Lord, it's yours. God, that relationship you've been telling me to cut out, Lord, I'm cutting it out. You know, that bad habit I've been going back to again and again. Lord, I'm getting serious about the things of God. Recommit your life to Christ and adopt those spiritual disciplines you need to adopt. And you know, as a church, we're inviting you to join us in 25 days of prayer and fasting. We strategically, as pastors and elders, put together this list as we considered some of the concerns we all have in regards to our nation, our church, our families, our marriages that make up the church, our individual lives and the relationship, and our commitment to the mission God has called us to, to make disciples. And we know that the only way we can express that God is our helper is by our prayer lives, by our dependence on the Lord through prayer. And we also put in their fasting. I don't know if you missed that. Uh, fasting is not commanded in Scripture. It's expected. Jesus said, when you fast. Now, fasting is, if I could define it this way for you, I always like to define it this way, is to be so focused on your need for the Lord that you forget to eat. When have you been so immersed in prayer, especially in those difficult times in your life? I'm seeking direction. I'm seeking guidance. I'm seeking you, Lord, that I don't even have time to eat. And so I set that aside for a time in order to focus fully on you, Lord. We're not telling you how to pray or how to fast, but we're asking you to join us in prayer and fasting. And for you, it might look different than for me. For you, maybe uh, as you consider this next year and, and you consider the, the time that you're going to spend in prayer, maybe it's a meal that you fast once a week. Maybe it's a day that you fast. If you've never fasted a full day, something we want to invite you to on the last day of prayer and fasting. On January 24th into 25th, on January 24th, around 6 p.m., we want to invite you to start a fast with us if you can do so in a way that glorifies God and in a healthy manner, if you can do that. And then for a full day, just drinking liquids, we're going to invite you to fast alongside of the rest of the body for 24 hours. And at 6 p.m. on January 25th, as a family, we're going to break that fast and we're going to eat a meal in fellowship together as we pray and as we seek the Lord in dependence upon him. We're not fasting in order to lose weight. We're not fasting in order to glorify ourselves in any way. The Bible says when you fast, wash your face. Don't make a big show about it, but express your dependence on the Lord when you go about it. And so I want to invite you as a church to consider and prayerfully consider what that might look like for you. If food's not something you can fast, I always like to share. Maybe you want to fast social media. Maybe you want to fast the news and that amount of time that you would watch the news or spend time on social media, commit that time to prayer and expressing dependence on the Lord therein. And so what helpful reminders are we given as we enter the new year? First and foremost, the Lord is our help and our helper. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. 
And then in verses 3 to 8, the Lord is our keeper and our protector. You know, as you read this psalm, a transition takes place from verses, two, verses 1 to 2 to verses 3 to 8. If you look at verses 1 to 2, it's in the first person. In verses 3 to 8, it seems to be in the second person. In verses 1 to 2, you see I and my. In verses 3 to 8, you see you and yours. And so as you read the psalm, some suggest that this psalmist is in a dialogue with another person. And so in verse 1, he says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. And per perhaps there's another person in this dialogue, perhaps even on this journey to Jerusalem to worship, who declares, your foot will not be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. And so perhaps there's a dialogue taking place. Another option is that the psalmist is preaching to himself. <laughs> Where does my help come from? He's asked the question. Then he answers it. My help comes from the Lord. And then he goes on to say, your foot will not be moved. The one who keeps you will not slumber. I would like to suggest that while we don't know the particular answer, there's application in both of them. I'd like to invite you to have those two conversations, that conversation with yourself and that conversation with someone who's going to encourage you this year. My prayer is that you have some people in your life that you're transparent enough with that they know your concerns and that they can encourage you in times of difficulty. This life called journey is a long road. There are moments and times when our feet get sore and our muscles begin to ache and we're pushed to the point of exhaustion and we realize, God, I can't do it in my strength and in my own power. What a wonderful blessing to have a fellow brother or sister in Christ remind us he is your keeper. He won't allow your foot to be moved. He is the shade at your right hand. He will guard your going out and your coming in. You can trust if you don't have anybody like that in your life, can I invite you to get to know some people like that in our church who will be that for you? You can do that through a small group. You can do that by maybe oh, marriage is a great opportunity to do that. I pray that you have that kind of a relationship with a spouse that they know when you're exhausted and they know that when you need encouragement and they're to there to encourage you and to love you through that time. And so my prayer is that you have that encouragement when you need it. Um, and so also uh, my prayer is that you won't have conversations with yourself when you need it. How I many of you know we need to preach to ourselves every single day? Lord, I need, to, I need to preach. Where does my help come from? Lord, it comes from you. Lord, right now I'm, 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 I'm a little bit distracted. Lord, I find myself relying on myself. I find myself relying on my own resources. But Lord, help me to look to you. Help me to be reminded that you take care of me and you are watching over me and you are intimately involved in my life so that I can trust you all along the way. Have those conversations with yourself and preach the gospel to yourself on a daily basis. Be reminded of your testimony. I was blind, but now I see my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So how is he our keeper? You know, in verse 1, we see the concern of the psalmist. Verse 2, the confidence of the psalmist in his helper and the one who helps. And then thirdly, we get to see in verses 3 to 8, the care of the creator who you and I place our confidence in. In verses 3 to 8, we get to see the promise 
that the Lord who watches over us, who guards us, who takes care of us, he will, he will, he will protect us. He begins by talking about how he will keep our foot from slipping, from being moved. Verse 3 says, he will not allow your foot to be moved. We said earlier, you know, when you're going on a journey, there are some concerns. There are some physical dangers. And one of those is your foot slipping. You know, I'm always careful these days. I don't want to, when I'm going out on a hike or I'm on uneven ground, I don't want my foot to slip, especially when I'm going up a steep path. I don't want my foot to slip. I mean, it's a scary place to be. Uh, it was last week when all the roads froze over. You know, as, as the roads froze over, <clears throat> I wanted to try out my car on the road, and so I drove down the road a little bit and slip and slid a little bit. You know, I made it home. But as I was driving through our neighborhood, I got to see some people slipping and sliding. I mean, I saw one guy uh, with his wife. His wife walked out onto the front porch. She slipped, and then he didn't come and help her. He's like, you're, you're going to have to help yourself. And so uh, what we're told here is the Lord is the one who will keep your foot from slipping. The Lord is the one who will keep your foot from being moved. It reminds us that the Lord is not indifferent to your steps or the journey that you're on, but he's very attentive to the very details. I'm not even tracking my steps as I'm walking about. There are times when I slip here and there, but we're reminded the Lord is our keeper. He will keep our foot from being moved. In Jude 24 to 25, it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Aren't you thankful for that? To our God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. He will keep your foot from slipping. And then it says, He who keeps you does not slumber. On this journey called life, we get tired. As we said, our, our feet start to hurt. Our, our, our muscles begin to ache. And there are moments where we're pulled to the point of exhaustion where we need to rest. And while we need to rest, God does not. Aren't you thankful that while you're sleeping, he's still working. He's still watching over you and me. You know, Alexander the Great was once asked this question. He was asked, uh, how is it that you can sleep so soundly at night? when you've got all these dangers around you. And he said this, Parmenio, my watchman, is always watching me, and I can sleep because of that. How much more? God, our creator, he's watching over you. He's protecting you. He's keeping your foot from being moved. He doesn't sleep, and he doesn't slumber. It reminds me of Elijah. In 1 Kings, we're told about Elijah, and there's the competition of the gods, you know? And Elijah, he, he, he challenges the prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth. And he, he says, let's see whose God is greater. Let's see who's going to consume the sacrifice. And, and we know the Lord God Almighty, he consumes the sacrifice. But when it comes to the, the prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth, those gods are useless. They don't have ears to hear or eyes to see. And you know how Elijah taunts them. He says this in 1 Kings 18.27. He says, cry aloud for he is God, speaking of, of Baal. Either he is meditating or he's busy. Maybe he's relieving himself or maybe he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. Our God does not slumber. He does not sleep. The psalmist goes on to say, behold, he keeps 
Israel. He doesn't just keep you and me. He's able to keep his covenant people and bring them through. We're reminded of how he's done that throughout Israel's history, whether it's the exodus out of Egypt, whether it's the conquest out of Canaan, and whether it's him preserving his people even through exile and even through judgment. God always preserves a faithful remnant and keeps his promises to his people. The psalmist says, take a look at Israel and may that be a testimony that I am a God who is faithful to keep them and he is able to keep you. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Not only are we told that he keeps our foot from slipping, but he keeps our hand from scorching. As we continue to read, it says this in verse 5, The Lord is your keeper. We've been told a lot about the Lord so far. He is the covenant-keeping God, Yahweh. The Lord is the one who made heaven and earth. He is the creator. And here we're reminded the Lord is our keeper. To be our keeper means he is our protector. He is our guard. He's the one who cares for us. You know, in Adam, he was told by the Lord, I want you to, to keep the garden. What does that mean? Protect it, guard it, take care of it. How much more does God keep us, guard us, protect us, take care of us? The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. How can the Lord be a shade at your right hand? His presence is right there available for you and me. As you navigate this year, in times when you feel alone, in times when you feel close to the Lord, he's always there and he's the shade at your right hand. He will protect you from the sun that will scorch your right hand and he will protect you at the night from the cold as he covers you in his presence. You are fully covered in the Lord. So he keeps our foot from slipping, he keeps our hand from scorching, and he keeps our soul from perishing. As we finish up, it tells us this in verse 7, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. When it says evil here, it speaks of any danger or harm that should come upon you. He shall preserve your soul. It's speaking of your entire life. It says the Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in. He will preserve you in your daily activities. Whether you were a pilgrim going out to worship the Lord on a long journey and heading to Jerusalem for these annual feasts, whether you were going up or coming back, he's going to take care of you. He's going to preserve you. He's watching over you. He's guarding your step. He's intimately involved in your life. Who else are you going to turn to in time of need? I'm going to turn to the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth, the one who's guarding and protecting me. I've got the greatest security system in the world. I have him. And so we're reminded that he preserves our life, our going out, our coming in. Then it says, from this time forth and forever. Mm. That's true joy. That's the invitation. The invitation is to be reminded that the Lord is not just your help and your helper as he is mine, but he is your keeper and your protector as he is mine. What is the invitation in light of the fact that God is your keeper and my keeper? The invitation is to place your confidence in the care of your creator. That's the abundant life. I don't want you to miss that. The abundant life is finding contentment in the care of your creator. I want to tell you what this psalm is not saying. 
This psalm is not saying that you will not experience harm. This psalm is not saying that you won't slip from time to time. But it is saying that while the Lord will not keep you from harm, he will see you through it. He will guard your step. He will hold you up as you rely and you depend on him. Psalm 37, 23 says this. The steps, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he may fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. The abundant life is found in the care of your shepherd, who is Jesus Christ the Lord. Yes, I might find myself in dark valleys, even in the valley of the shadow of death, as Psalm 23 says. Yes, there are times when I'm up on a steep path and my foot begins to slip here or slip there, and there are dangers before me, but I am content in the care of my shepherd, and I'm content in the care of my creator that the good work he began in me he will bring to completion my prayer this year for you is that you would look past those concerns on your mind in regards to your life your relationship with him your children your grandchildren the next generation your church and this nation and look to the confidence you have in your maker and your creator that you would be reminded as I would of his providential care of his power and his presence that's always available from this time forth and forever rest in the care of your creator this year Secondly, don't just make New Year's resolutions lists, but make prayer lists this year. Uh, I heard this testimony from a lady by the name of Julia Sadler, her husband Ryan. And one year they said, what we decided this one year was we're done with those New Year's resolution lists. What we're going to do this year is make New Year's prayer lists. It changes it a little bit. Because the resolutions are not just things that I want to do or stop doing. They're now dependent upon the Lord. I want to invite you to make prayer lists this year. Write down what those prayer requests are and then document them. Julia Sadler and her husband Ryan, they document in their book, uh, Pray Big Things. They, what they say in there is, is they, said, they, they say, you know, when we prayed that year, we wrote down specific requests and we made a list of everyone in our circle of influence who did not know the Lord, but we had a opportunity to speak into their life. And what she did that year, she wrote down as with her husband all of the names of those people. And she said that year they committed to praying for them and investing in their lives. And that year, praise God, the Lord led all of them to Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. And you know what the invitation was? To pray boldly and to pray specifically so that you can celebrate boldly as you declare what God is doing in and through your life and the ministry he has called you and I to. And then thirdly, I'd invite us as a church who, who, who want to make disciples, who want to know God and, and make him known, who want to express our dependence on the Lord to act like it. You know, we say, Lord, we depend on the Lord, but our prayer lives don't always reflect that. We often say, yeah, yeah, I have a relationship with the Lord, I'm a Christian, but 
But our time spent with the Lord doesn't always reflect that. Can we act like believers and Christians who, who, who are going to get serious about our faith this year? Get serious about getting on board with the Lord and, and saying, Lord, this year let me deny myself. Let me know those things that I need to cut out of my life. Let me take up my cross, be willing to go and die for you. That's what it meant. And follow you all the days of my life into eternity. This morning, the invitation is to express your dependence on the Lord, to commit yourself to the care of your creator. And the invitation is to do that through prayer. And so over the next 25 days, I want to invite you to pray with us. Today, we're praying for our nation. God knows we need to pray for our nation for the governing officials who are in positions of authority. Ultimately, we need to pray for them. We need to pray that our nation would get aligned with God and his will and his word. And you say, how is that possible? How can I make a difference? You can't make a difference, but God can. That's why we call upon his name. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. This morning, I want to close our service a little bit differently. I want to give you an invitation to pray with us if you need prayer. And so as you enter this new year, we talked about some of the concerns. I want to invite our elders to come up at this time. I'm going to say a prayer in a moment. And so if, if you need prayer, and you would say, I need prayer for my family, for my church. I need prayer for direction and guidance. I need prayer for this, or I need prayer for that. We want to invite you to come and pray. Because we believe in the power of prayer here. Not in our prayers, but the one we pray to and the one we call upon. And then lastly, I want to invite you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, but you want to make that commitment to follow him, you don't know the right words to pray, you don't know the right words to tell the Lord, we want you to come this morning, we want to pray for you, we want to encourage you, and we want you to start the year off right, fully dependent on the Lord. Can we pray? Father in heaven, we come together as a church and, and we rejoice we rejoice in the privilege and opportunity we have to worship you this morning, to dig into your word. We thank you, Father, for this new year. And we pray, Lord, that we would stay focused on you. Father, in a moment like this, I want to pray, Father, for all of our church family. Father, you know the hearts, you know the needs, you know the concerns. And so, Lord, I, I pray, Father, for our whole church that, that we would depend on you, that we would seek you out, that, that Lord, we would call upon your name in, in, in every moment of every day. Lord, if anyone needs prayer, that they would come, Lord. Father, I want to pray specifically for anyone who wants to make Jesus their Savior and their Lord. Whether they come or whether they say this prayer right here, right now, I pray that they can express this to you from their hearts. Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I sin because I'm a sinner. I was born into this world with a heart marked by rebellion, not obedience. But I know that's why Jesus came. I know sin separates me, but Jesus provided a way. I received Jesus as my Savior and Lord, the one to forgive me of my sins and the one who will grant me everlasting life. Father, this is our testimony. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Father, we praise you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.